The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Happy Friday, folks. Welcome in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host. As always, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Danny Burke5 and my other show, Rush Hour on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and of course, iHeartRadio. So wherever you get your podcasts available. Tons to talk about on this Friday edition of the show. Bears making big moves, clearing up cap space, dishing out Khalil Mack to the Chargers. What does that mean for the Bears? How does that affect the betting odds for the Chargers, a team that we did get involved with just a couple of days after this past Super Bowl? Man, we're already invested on this Chargers team for the next Super Bowl, so I'm honestly pretty happy about it for both sides of the trade. Furthermore, we've got baseball back in the mix. Looks like we'll be betting one of our favorite sports to bet, and I say R as in myself at least. Uh, baseball is sport, very gruesome, very just tiring, but if you can really kind of get a good strategy and a good rhythm of things, there's going to be tough patches in a 162-game season, but typically baseball has been my most viable betting sport. 
since I've been doing it consistently, I'd probably say baseball and hockey are right up there is my 1A, 1B. So excited to get baseball back, not only just from the betting standpoint, but, you know, uh, all of us living here in the city and even outside in the state of Illinois just loving our Cubbies and, you know, for I guess those out you out there who love the White Sox. Now, the White Sox have grown on me a little bit. I mean, I, I, I grew up hating them more than I hated the Cardinals because I was surrounded by a lot of good friends who would just... Give me so much crap uh, around 2005 when the Sox were victorious, of course, with the World Series. So I was always catching grief left and right. But we are excited here, especially in the Windy City. So we'll talk a little bit on that. We will talk some college basketball. Penn State beating Ohio. Man, what the hell is going on with Ohio State? Who knows? But they advance. And then they'll get creamed by Purdue, presumably. Or maybe not. Who knows? It's wonky. But we also got a Michigan State-Wisconsin game to look forward to as well. And um, no real opening lines thus far for the Bulls and Cavs game. Tomorrow should be a fun one. Kind of stinks during all the festivities of St. Paddy's Day. I get that it's on Thursday, but, you know, everybody will be going out tomorrow. So hopefully I can catch the game in the background, someone's TV or something like that. But the Bulls hosting the Cavs, 7 p.m. Central Time. Manana should be a good one to look forward to. And then last night, well, the Blackhawks came through for us. How about it? We're breaking the curse slowly but surely. We went 3-0 with our hockey picks from Rush Hour last night. So I always say be sure to check out Rush Hour, not only because you get different picks from myself, but different perspectives from guests, analysts, all that good stuff. So uh, we did a parlay with the Panthers and the Bruins. Bruins beat the Blackhawks. Panthers take care of business against the Flyers. We also hit the Islanders who I honestly, who did they beat? They, uh, the Blue Jackets, I think it was. See, at this point, it's like we won, we move on. That's all it is. But anyways, the Islanders won 6 nothing, so we got another dub there. Then we had the Predators against the Ducks, and the Predators end up winning 4-1. Uh, we hit that bet as well. So a great night in hockey. Hopefully, we could keep the momentum going. Let's get started with this Bears news. Khalil Mack traded to the Chargers. So, uh, I tweeted it out. It was funny because my first reaction, I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Because I could have sworn, uh, based on some Chicago media and everybody who, I guess, follows the team pretty closely, made it seem, maybe not everybody, but it seemed like the very vocal people were saying that Khalil Mack was not going to be traded. Like, oh, you're crazy if you think the Bears are going to trade away Khalil Mack, it just, and again, this could just be very anecdotal, but it seemed like that wasn't going to be a for sure thing that Khalil Mack was going to be traded. Nevertheless, he gets dished out. I'm looking at this, and the way that Ian Rappaport tweeted about it, he made it look like bold picks were in the 2023 draft, not one of them being in the 2022. So that's why at first I'm like, man, what the hell, this is... This is kind of a weak load, right? I mean, he didn't really get as much as you should have for Khalil Mack. Now, I completely understand the argument that, hey, he's 31, maybe past his prime, can't stay healthy, hasn't had a dominant season since 2018. All of those things, yeah, fairly accurate. But also, you're not 100% certain that he can't somewhat replicate it, at least, if he can maintain his health. And if you put him next to a dominant rusher and Joey Bosa, who knows what the hell is going to happen on that defensive front seven for the Chargers. The opportunities are endless. And in a division like the AFC West, where it is insanely quarterback heavy, this is a beautiful move by the Chargers, who I believe 
if I recall correctly, had the second most cap space coming into this offseason. So they re-signed Mike Williams, great receiver. You add on Khalil Mack because they're taking on his whole contract, which is huge. More on that in a sec. And you could still attack in the draft with a reasonable pick and still go for more free agents, trades, whatever it may be. But again, the Chargers will get Khalil Mack. The Bears receive a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. So once I found out that second-round pick was in this year's draft, I kind of eased up a little bit and was like, all right, all right, I'm, that seems more reasonable, and I can kind of dig it now because you realize when you're making a big trade like this, nobody cares about the draft picks you have in the future, right? More of the value is going to be in the current upcoming draft. And with a team that doesn't really have that much draft capital, yes, that's a good acquisition in return. Now, originally, I kind of made the argument to some friends that, yeah, it's kind of dumb. You're only getting two picks, and this is when I thought it was in 2023. But still, my argument remains in the sense that you can only hope that whichever player you pick in with either of those picks from the Chargers, that they become, you know, half the dominant player that Khalil Mack was or is or can be in his prime, right? That's what is so kind of unreliable with these draft picks and why teams are so liberal with them nowadays and willing to throw them away. I mean, take the Rams, for example. That's a team that goes all in. And again, you're sending these draft picks out. And I think the more and more we progress throughout this age in the NFL, draft picks will be less valuable. And I say that in the sense of teams that are ready to win now. The Rams virtually have nothing, but hey, they won a Super Bowl. You get Russell Wilson, you give up a crap ton of picks. Well, the chances one of those picks are going to turn out to be Russell Wilson are slim to none. So I'm not saying there's no value whatsoever. Of course, you have to build in some capacity through the draft. But the Bears are a team that's not ready to dish out these draft picks because they have no foundation that's already been set upon, right? They don't have any dominance. They don't have any set group that they can win with. So you get these draft picks, you clear up some cap space, and this is looking like a viable option for the Bears. Because not only can you now take that second round draft pick and invest in the offense, you can clear up more cap space in free agency and or through trades, whatever it may be, to also invest in your offense. So that's the thing. Now, traded Khalil Mack saves $6 million in cap space in 2022, but also clears out 28 mil in 2023. So the Chargers are taking on all of Mack's contract, which is three years at about $64 million. And now the Bears have the number 39 and number 48 overall pick picks, I guess, in this year's draft after the Mack trade. So getting him off your salary is immensely valuable to the Bears. If they invest wisely. So the Bears were so lopsided with the players they were paying defensively compared to offensively. And you've heard me rant about it ad nauseum about how this league is all offensive oriented as opposed to defense. Because, I mean, we went on this rant just because of the head coaching search. And so what? You get a head coach who's defensive oriented. Okay, look at Sean McDermott and the Bills. That's what everybody's going to reference. All right, it could still work. The thing about dishing out Khalil Mack and maybe some other defensive guys is the fact that Ryan Poles is doing that as his first big move says a lot, right? He's got some 
brass cojones if that's the move he's making right away. Trading arguably the best player on the Bears roster, the player that's brought the most excitement since probably Devin Esther to this team. I mean, is that fair to say? Not that we knew Devin Hester was going to be great when we drafted him, but I'm saying to that excitement is when Khalil Mack got traded, you, all Bears fans had that similar excitement. We're like, wow, are you kidding me? A Chicago sports team got involved in a huge transaction like that with a dominant player, and he's impactful the first game? That was incredible. And people are acting like it was the Bulls trading Michael Jordan or something or Derrick Rose. Like, it's hilarious kind of because... Everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got rid of Khalil Mack. He'll be a bear for life. First of all, I have nothing against Khalil Mack. I get it. It kind of felt like a little bit of a piercing when he saw he was traded. But from a fan's, I mean, what? He was here four years, three years. He only had really like two healthy seasons. One of them was great, but honestly, guys, it, it was more just saying that us Bears fans had Khalil Mack versus the Bears actually having him, and if that makes sense, like on the field. And again, it's nothing against Khalil Mack. I loved having him on my team. He was amazing. He was incredible. He is incredible. But don't act like we just lost the greatest player of all time to play for this franchise. It's okay. And especially with the way the league is headed. If the Bears invest that second-round draft pick this year in the offense, whether it's a lineman, whether it's a receiver, I am content. That's where all the investments should be going for the most part with this open space and free agency with these draft picks. It should all be surrounding and building around Justin Fields, and I believe Ryan Poles realizes that, and that is his plan. Now, if you go defensive, everybody's going to lose their mind. But the good thing is, and this is why it's a good thing you have a defensive-minded coach, even if you don't have the most dominant defense, considering your head coach is defensive-oriented, you have faith that he could still work around it and can develop a sufficient enough defense to still compromise for the talent of the offense. So the point being is, considering this league is moving offensive, as good of a defense as you have, it's not really going to matter that much. Okay, I mean, take a look for example with the Chiefs and the Bills game, right? Yes, of course, it's, you know, can your defense make one stop? In that sense, yes. But at the end of the day, of course, it's who has the better quarterback who can survive the shootout. Now, Aaron Donald and the Rams, yes, the defense made the difference in that game. So I don't want to make it come across like I'm saying defense doesn't matter at all. But your priority and your main dominance on your team should be on the offensive side of the ball. That's obvious. Yes, defense is incredibly important. And at the end of the day, in those clinching end-of-the-game moments, the defense will need to come through, and they will need to be better and make the difference in order to win a championship. Look at the Rams. I understand that. But to get there in the first place, to have consistent success throughout the season, then in the postseason, and comparing with teams who have quarterbacks such as the Chiefs, such as the Broncos, such as the Chargers, such as the Bills, such as the Ravens, such as the Bengals, all these guys, you have to have a dominant, controlling, explosive offense. And that's what I believe Ryan Poles is heading toward with this trade, clearing up the cap space and adding on draft capital. You got you got to trust Eberflus that he can develop this defense into a good enough defense to survive and not lose you games with the talent they have. That's why you bring him up. 
that's the faith they got to have in this Bears organization and what they talked about when they brought on these parts for the front office and the coaching staff. Poles, you're an offensive guy. You'll know what pieces coming from Kansas City to bring on to the offensive side of thing. Everything revolves around Justin Fields. Eberflus, here's what you got to focus on. Making this defense as good as it can be with the players and the talent you have on that side of the ball. That's what it is. And I believe the Bears are on the right path to doing so. I didn't feel it at first because, I, again, Ian Rappaport phrased it weirdly. I thought it was next year, and I was like, what the hell is this? Uh, people saying he needed a first-round pick. Yes, of course that would have been ideal. But realistically, again, you're not really selling high on Khalil Mack, right? You, um, you kind of bought high on him, and you're selling low on him, so to speak. But it's okay. You're dishing him out sooner rather than later, which probably would have even gotten worse. He'll thrive in a spot with Los Angeles to where Bosa can take a lot of the load and he can't really double-team Bosa as much. And I'm excited for him, man. I'm pumped. Because we had our Chargers 25-1 to Super Bowl ticket like two days after this past Super Bowl. I already love the Chargers. Think they're a very complete team. Knew they had a ton of cap space. I love Justin Herbert. Guess what? Now they're down to 17-1 to at Bet Rivers to win the Super Bowl. Hopefully you were able to jump on them at 25-1 to like myself. They also go from 4-1 to from a couple days ago to now 3-1 to to win the AFC West. And they're 9-1 to to win the AFC Championship. It's a bummer they're in a tough division. The AFC is going to be insanely tough. But man, this Chargers team looking better every single day it seems. So good move for both sides, honestly. It's kind of like everybody say, oh, it's like the Von Miller guy. Well, hey, I don't want to hear about the Von Miller thing. Stop comparing apples and oranges. I mean, it is somewhat similar, but come on. Chargers, they're paying a lot of money for Khalil Mack to hope he can be impactful. Bears are clearing up a ton of space to get rid of a guy who hasn't been impactful as of late and on the side of the ball that is not important to this team and to this league at this point. Again, I'm not saying it's not a necessity to have those type of playmakers and have a great defense. It's an added bonus if you do. But guess what? The Bengals had a slightly above average defense, got to the Super Bowl. The Rams have a very good defense, won the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, The Chiefs won a Super Bowl with a below average defense. I'm just telling you, the direction of this league Offense is the main priority. It's who has the best quarterback. Who has the more experienced quarterback, the better receiving weapons, the better offensive line. That's also why the Bengals got exposed in the championship game. Yes, because Aaron Donald is a menace and arguably the best and most dominant player in the league, but because of how bad and Swiss cheese-like that offensive line for Cincinnati was. So it's a full circle with the offense. You know this. Everybody knows this. But I believe at the end of the day, the Bears made the right move if they invested wisely and appropriately, which I believe Ryan Poles will. So good for the Bears. Uh, and that's the thing, too. I mean, look, Poles ain't just doing this to do this. This guy, you got to think, is pretty level-headed. Well, I guess that's what we want to speculate. But for that to be his first big move, he's coming in hot. You almost got to respect it. He's laying those cojones on the table going, this is my team now, folks. We ain't settling for a hopefully good defense, paying all that money. No, no, no. I come from a team that knows how to play offense, knows how to win shootouts, and knows how to be incredible and dominant and aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. And you guys just drafted a quarterback. We're going to invest in him. This is how we're going to do things 
for the Chicago Bears. And I dig it, man. I'm with it. And again, I feel good about the Chargers, too. They're pretty much my second team coming into the season, baby. Big Herbert guy riding that Herbert train and <laughs> riding that 25-1 to ticket. But now we had a couple other ones, too, like the Ravens and the Cardinals. But uh, now I'm feeling pretty, feeling pretty okay about everything. So, uh, yeah, the Bears make a big move. It is what it is. Um, really quick. So it is Friday. I kind of just looking on Twitter, realizing this right now. I guess the big news is going to be what happens with Deshaun Watson. Now, VEASAN's very own Sean King said if Deshaun Watson kind of clears everything happening today because he has his hearing today. Obviously, I don't necessarily know the exact stipulations of it, but if he kind of gets out of everything, I mean, teams are going to be chomping at the bit to get it. And Sean King, who developed a relationship with Mike Tomlin when he played in the NFL, said if he clears everything, the Steelers will be going after him. And then he hears some Steeler guys going, oh, no, it's definitely not true, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, I think uh, in this day and age, a lot of people overlook uh, the mishaps off the field to acquire top talent. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Yeah, there's definitely arguments for both sides. The Steelers have had their share of uh, experience with troubled quarterbacks off the field. That's for sure. So, I don't know. I mean, look, the Chiefs have obviously taken that route before. Second chances, yes, I believe in second chances, and people should get a chance to prove themselves. But, I mean, Deshaun Watson, man, it seems like multiple instances. And do you really want to carry that baggage around with you on your team, regardless of how good he may be? I don't know. Uh, personally, I I probably would lean to I wouldn't. I mean, it seems like a PR nightmare. But again, we'll see what the results are by the end of today. So again, I don't want to speak too much without knowing the full information. So you got to give, got to give everybody their chance to explain their side of the reasoning. And now I'm just getting into a rant that is meaningless until it actually comes to fruition. So, but I just wanted to talk about what other NFL news may come about. Sean King tweeted that out a few days back. So maybe, maybe you'll see. Deshaun Watson in that division in the AFC, just keeping the quarterback class stacked there. Oh, and also one more thing. This is kind of a mini where's the beef. Shut up about Mitch Trubisky, Bears media and Bears fan. Rip the Band-Aid off. I get it. It's offseason. You got to report on any story you can. And when Trubisky signs with presumably the Giants or, heck, maybe even the Colts or the Steelers, probably not the Steelers, I just, I get you got to talk about it, but can we stop doing like revisionist history here and thinking that Trubisky was actually really good and it was everybody else's fault? Yes, Matt Nagy was a dumpster fire. Yes, this organization has been a dumpster fire, but yes, Trubisky was not good and he didn't live up to the hype. You cannot put all the blame on Matt Nagy. Mitch Trubisky could not make a throw further than 10 yards down the field. It was only lateral movement, and that's why Nagy got stuck in that stupid offense because of the limitations with Mitch Trubisky. If Trubisky had, like, amazing... It, who did, I forgot who I just made this example with yesterday. Like, Carson Wentz. If Trubisky was on a Pro Bowl caliber roster, sure, I'm sure he would have success. But if you put him on the Giants, I don't care about the familiarity with Dable and his offense. You're still the Giants. 
yeah, you got some decent receiving weapons, but no, I mean, and it's funny because Trubisky will have like a couple good games and everyone's going to be like, oh, look at that, Mitch Trubisky, it wasn't his fault, it was Matt, yeah, you know, just shut up about it, I, I don't care at this point, I wish him well, good luck, but I really couldn't care less about the success Mitch Trubisky has unless it comes against the Bears, focus on fields, focus on this team in front of us, Field ceiling is infinitely higher than Mitch Trubisky. And I would argue that even before we saw both of those guys take a snap in the NFL. So I'm done with the Trubisky crap. It's getting annoying. It's getting to the, uh, and it's going to be worse, but it's like the Jim Harbaugh level of things. Like the Bears hired Eberflus and the media won't stop talking about Harbaugh. Like give it a damn rest already. And it makes more sense for Trubisky considering that obviously he's in the league and you will see him around at some point. But I really just don't care until it happens. And after it happens, we'll analyze it for two minutes and we'll move on and say, hey, let's see what actually comes to fruition with it. Because people are saying, oh, Tom uh, Pelissero or Pelissero. No, it's Pelissero, right? Yeah. Uh, might be in line for a hefty payday. You know, here's some players who could get more money than one might expect. Is Like why you guys are going to fall into the trap of Mitch Trubisky because he came in a couple preseason games with a great team in Buffalo and did okay? You really think it was all Matt Nagy? Yes, a large sum of it was Matt Nagy. But folks, you could have put Belichick out there, also not offensive-oriented. You could have put Sean McVay. You could have put anybody out there, and Mitch Trubisky would still have limitations. Would he be a little bit better in some regard? Yeah, for sure he would have been, as would most people with great coaches. But he's not the player you think he is. That is evident. He didn't play in a dominant college football conference. He didn't have a large sample size in college football. It's okay to be wrong. Well, it's not really in this league, but my point is you're not going to nail every single pick, especially quarterbacks. Seldom does it happen. I believe it's going to happen with Fields. I honestly do. Because with Fields, you got the worst of Matt Nagy. Yet Fields was still able to make great plays. The difference was Trubisky made solid plays in the sense of using his feet. And then just throwing short passes and your receivers created opportunities. Field's amazing throws and opportunities were like bombs down the field, which you never got from Trubisky. Oh, wait. Plus, Fields is arguably just as mobile, if not more athletic with his feet. And because you got the worst of Nagy, the worst of this Bears offense, that's why I have the utmost faith in Fields compared to what I ever did with Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky had his opportunities, folks. The defense... The defense in 2018 is the reason they made the playoffs, not Mitch Trubisky. And people who don't watch Bears games religiously or know this team so well think that, oh my God, well, yeah, okay, you know, he got your crap team to the playoffs in 2018. No, this defense was setting historical records and providing offense. And the Packers weren't that good that year. Like, come on, guys. It's just ridiculous. That that narrative keeps floating. But fine. Use that history in your mind. Your revisionist history. And pay him. I don't care. He's not on my team anymore. But you know, don't come crying once he isn't the player. And pans out to be the player you paid him. And hoped he could be. Have fun settling for a 500 record. Or right around a 500. You can't have 500 now. But you get my point. I don't know. I forgot. That was just something that's been 
weighing on my chest a little bit that people just won't shut the hell up about it. And it's going to get worse once he gets signed. I know it is. Let's just get it. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off already. <laughs> All right, coming up next here on the CityCast, let's talk a little bit of college hoops, some Big Ten tourney action. We've got Michigan State and Wisconsin. We got a nice little winner with Michigan State if you played it yesterday. And then Penn State and Purdue playing later tonight. What the hell is going on with Ohio State, man? But Penn State advances. Tough matchup against arguably the best team in the conference. We will dissect those games coming up next here on the Chicago CityCast. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Time to talk some college hoops here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. As I'm recording this right now, uh, we've got the Indiana Illinois game going off, and uh, I think Illinois closes like a six point favorite. Now, the only way I was going to bet this game was live betting Illinois, and they're down right now when I'm recording at 13 to 9 early in the first half. I might see if we could get ourselves a little live betting opportunity on the fighting line I hear. I'll probably wait till it's a little bit later and if the deficit increases, but that's kind of the way I'm looking to approach teams in this tournament that you have high expectations for and the line's a little bit too egregious and, well, obviously you can't trust these kids with free throws, so it's bound to be closer than it should be in a lot of, in a lot of instances. But nevertheless... We do have two games to look forward to handicapping. Tonight, we've got some action with Michigan State and Wisconsin. And that Purdue taking on the Nittany lines of Penn State. But yeah, it looks like this live line now, Illinois minus two and a half. So I'm telling you, monitor these lines, folks. You can get a lot better number. And it is very early on when Illinois went off like six and a half. And you can get them under three now. Okay, let's preview Wisconsin and Michigan State. Wisconsin opening up as a two-point favorite in this game. Total at about 138 with the opener. So the interesting news to monitor was the status of Johnny Davis. And Johnny Davis got banged up in the regular season finale against Nebraska, but he says he's playing, so uh, we can only assume that he's probably close to 100%. Line now up to three at Bet Rivers in favor of Wisconsin. Money line has the Badgers minus a buck fifty-seven. The Spartans catching plus one thirty. Total has dipped from one thirty-eight now to one thirty-six. Juice is on the over a little bit minus one thirteen. Michigan State, we had our lean toward them at least yesterday, and they did get the job done. They almost blew it, but they beat Maryland again for the third time, 76-72. And Michigan State actually has beaten Wisconsin this season in Madison, 86-74. Wisconsin avenged that loss, though. Went to East Lansing and won 70-62, so both teams have defeated each other once. Looking at some of the numbers, Wisconsin... You know what they do from deep, uh, or excuse me, Michigan State. You know what they do from deep. They're shooting over 38%. Wisconsin just 31% from beyond the arc. Michigan State shoots about 46% from the floor. Wisconsin 43%. 
Michigan State out-rebounds them 37-35. Both are pretty identical with free throw percentage. So would taking the points with Michigan State make sense? I actually would say no. And for whatever reason, Wisconsin's kind of become that team that I hate in a sense, and I was joking about that at, at the beginning of this week after Nebraska beat them. But the difference here between these two teams, well, first of all, Michigan State on the second leg of a back-to-back. They're college kids, not really accustomed to it. Yeah, almost blew a lead against Maryland. You're going to be playing a little bit scared going into Wisconsin. Wisconsin has the better playmaker. And when it comes down to March in these close games, in these familiar conference tournament games, you need the guy who's going to be the playmaker at the end of the day. And the top player in the Big Ten, Johnny Davis, is that dude. And he is on Wisconsin, of course. You also have experience. Wisconsin is a little bit more experienced with depth. Rest, Wisconsin advantage, and motivation, Wisconsin, I give the nod to, considering that they got cocky after the share of the Big Ten title, they lost to a crap team in Nebraska, and now you're going to get a Michigan State team with a coach in Tom Izzo that typically has success at this point of the year. They're not going to let that happen again. I would look toward Wisconsin in this game. I don't know if I'm going to bet it. Might throw a little bit of cheese on the money line. I I don't like it up to minus 157, but you know me with short spreads. Definitely don't want to lay it with these college kids who can't make a free throw to save their scholarship. Uh, But money line, eh, maybe I'll throw a little bit because it's a little bit too high. It'll be during the show, so won't really have too much time to live bet it per se. Well, they have the big screens there. Maybe I'll sneak something in during the commercial break during rush hour. But uh, I do think Wisconsin is the rightful favorite in this spot. I do believe they get the job done. So a small lean to Wisconsin here. If you get a decent price that you think is worth it on the money line, I would side with the Badgers. Penn State, Purdue, anything worth betting in this game? To me, honestly, no. I, I don't really know enough about this Penn State squad to assume how they're going to respond from last night now is that win kind of a fluke does ohio state really just stink i think it definitely could be that and is purdue going to come out kind of lackadaisically because well they know they're the top of the top of the crowd here in the big 10 and well penn state's really not and they're a 10 and a half point favorite minus 625 on the money line for the boilermakers nittany lions plus 450 total open 135 and a half that has dipped a point and a half down to 134 at bat rivers they have played once and purdue 174 to 67 at penn state i believe it was so penn state kept it pretty close and penn state did beat ohio state last night 71 to 68 now, line movement, Purdue opened nine again. Now it's up to ten and a half. Everybody sees Purdue and knowing Penn State probably shouldn't be here and just thinking Edie and company are going to go out there and dominate, which they should. And I know I want to say if I had to choose one way, where would I go? But I, I really couldn't tell you, man. I mean, ten and a half does seem like a lot. And just because a team did play the night before doesn't mean they can't carry that momentum into the next game. I mean, Penn State literally has nothing to lose in this game. So they could just let it fly with some comfort. Michigan State's a little different in that sense because they, you know, can still fight for the tournament life as far as I'm concerned. But Purdue, again, you know, they might come out there a little bit more loose in a bad way. So Penn State could keep it close. But, hey, if Purdue's locked in, 
You got a seven foot four guy. You should win every game with that, which they didn't against Wisconsin, which still infuriates me that that and those stupid ass bank shots. But yeah, I mean, Purdue will win again. Hey, maybe you get a better in-game number with the Boilermakers if Penn State tends to keep it close. And they probably will at some point unless it's just a absolute, I don't know, dismantling effort by this Purdue squad. So uh, otherwise, yeah, in-game, stay away. Uh, nothing with the total. But the Wisconsin game I have more interest in and would gravitate toward the Badgers. But that's really all we got for this episode of the Chicago CityCast. No Blackhawks hockey tonight. Uh, no Bulls, but we do have the Bulls tomorrow. Early line prediction, I guess. Um, well, we got to see the health of the Cavs more so than the Bulls. I mean, if we assume Booch is playing, I'd probably put, eh, they might put this damn near to pick him. I don't think they'll make the Cavs a favorite unless it just gets absolutely steamed. And it might. I mean, wherever this opens, if the Bulls are a favorite, the Cavs are going to get the money. I'll tell you that right now. And you got to remember, the Cavs are playing tonight. So they'll be on the second leg of a back-to-back because they're going on the road against the Heat. So it's actually a tough situational spot for Cleveland. So if the line is moving in favor of Cleveland, say the Bulls open like, you know, one and a half, two, two and a half, three point favor. I don't know if it'll be as high as three, but if it's going against the Bulls, Folks, if you trust this team enough at home against a team that's coming off a tough game in Miami, take advantage of what we love to do with this Bulls team. Short home favorite where they don't get respect. This is the type of game they need and should win. They've had two days off. They'll be way better rested. So I think the Bulls get the job done. And you know what? I'm hoping the market moves against them and we get a better number on the Bulls. I'll probably tweet it out if I play it, and if I don't, well, just assume that I got some action in that Bulls game, so hopefully we get some good value on them, and hopefully we get to celebrate another Bulls dub against a division rival, and a very important game here is we're hoping to get Alex Caruso and company back sooner rather than later. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for a Friday edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you for tuning in. Again, follow me on Twitter at DannyBurke5 to get all the links to my other shows. Be sure to check out my other show, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, the sports betting network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, so wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want more bets, again, I implore you to check out Rush Hour because I'm not always going to dish out all the bets I have there that I will hear. like to focus more so Chicago-centric naturally on the Chicago City cast. So if you want more national perspective, check out Rush Hour and you get different perspectives from hosts, uh, guests, different analysts, betting experts, all that good stuff on Rush Hour. I always tweet out the link. So again, at DannyBurke5. And as always, appreciate it if you like and or subscribe to the CityCast so you get notified when the show is released as soon as possible. Best of luck with your plays. Enjoy the sports action this weekend. Happy early St. Patrick's Day. Celebrate accordingly, and we'll catch up again on Monday.